so of GovTV, can we go ahead and start the meeting? Um, I believe they were ahead of us. Okay. Good morning and welcome to the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors for today, Monday, January 23rd, a rescheduled meeting on our first meeting of the new year. I am the chair of the committee, at least for this and maybe one more meeting, Aaron Peskin, joined by Vice Chair uh, remote leader, I'm remote, and uh, Supervisor Mandelman is in person, and committee, committee member Connie Chan is also in the board chambers. Our clerk is Mr. Victor Young. Mr. Young, do you have any announcements? Yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channel 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org, the public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. The number is 415-655-0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993. Then press pound and pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussion, but you will be muted in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone line should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on the telephone, please remember to turn down your television and all listening devices that you may be using. As already indicated, we will be taking public comment from those intending in person first, and then we will go to our public comment telephone line. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at bictor.young at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment by email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and included as part of the file. You may also send written comment by U.S. mail to our office in City Hall at 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. That completes my initial public comment. Um, initial announcements. Thank you, Clerk Young. And my apologies, colleagues, for not being there in person. I tested positive for COVID for the second time yesterday and am isolating at home. Uh, with that, Mr. Clerk, could you please call the first item? Yes, item number one is a motion approving or rejecting the mayor's nomination for the reappointment of Moses Corret to the Redevelopment Successor Agency Oversight Board, term ending January 24, 2026. Thank you. Uh, we actually previously had this scheduled, but Mr. Corret was on a well-deserved vacation and I understand is now in person in the board chambers. Uh, he has worked at the San Francisco Planning Department for uh, quite some time and is well-respected there. Uh, and has previously served on this body. Mr. Corrette, good morning. Oh, my apologies. Microphones are on. Good morning, Chair Peskin, um, members of the board. Um, yes, um, thank you very much for this opportunity. I thank the mayor for this opportunity for reappointment to the OCII Oversight Board. Um, I've completed um, one term and look forward to serving the city um, not only as a dedicated civil servant, but as a volunteer on this board. 
Um, I've been an active union member for, of Local 21 for 23 years, and this seat is set aside for a union member. Thank you, Mr. Corrett. I don't know if any of my colleagues on the Rules Committee have any questions for you this morning. If not, I will just uh, ask you the same question that I asked Ms. Van Degna upon her reappointment uh, late last year uh, with regard to the successor agency oversight board's um, involvement uh, as it relates to uh, the issuance of uh, the balance of a $10 million grant uh, with regard to the Mexican Museum. And if you have been following that issue closely, if you've, and if you have any thoughts you want to share with this body. Um, thank you, Chair Peskin. The um, Oversight Board has been questioning staff on the um, uh, financial status of the Mexican Museum uh, for, over the course of several meetings. And um, as of uh, the meeting that will be happening this Wednesday, uh, there has not been an update to um, their fundraising activities. Thank you. It sounds like you are focused on the things that we ought to be focused on as to whether or not they have the capacity to actually achieve that. It makes sense for the redevelopment agency itself to give them north of another $6 million uh, if they don't have that capacity. So thank you for your response on that. Uh, colleagues, I don't ha I can't see the roster, so I don't, if, any, if either one of you have any questions or comments, please jump in. If not, we will go to public comment on item number one. Yes, there's nobody on the roster at this point in time. Uh, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item and joining us in person should I speak at this time. For those listening remotely, you can call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin your comments. There is nobody uh, in the chamber for public comment at this time, and there's nobody on the telephone line for public comment on this matter. Okay, public comment is closed, and I will make a motion to amend the subject motion by removing the word rejecting on page one at line three and removing the word reject on page two at line 17. On that motion, Mr. Clerk, a roll call, please. Yes, on the motion to amend, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. A motion to send the item uh, as amended to the full board with a positive recommendation. Thank you, Mr. Corrett, for your willingness to continue to serve and for your 23 years of service to the city and county of San Francisco and historic preservation and your involvement with Local 21. On that motion, a roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Manelman. Manelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Item, please. Thank you. Next on the agenda is item number two. Motion approving or rejecting the mayor's nomination for reappointment of Lydia So 
to the Historic Preservation Commission term ending December 31st, 2026. Hey, uh, Ms. So, um, thank you for your willingness to continue to serve in your first term. It sounds like you've got uh, your role as a licensed architect meeting the Secretary of Interior standards on the Historic Preservation Commission uh, figured out and have been a uh, invaluable addition to this most important body that stewards our historic resources. Ms. So, the floor is yours. Thank you, Chair Peskin. And um, good morning, uh, Supervisor Chen and Supervisor Mandelman. This is my honor to be here this morning, um, the second day of our Lunar New Year. And I'm just really humble and honored to come here to ask for a reappointment to continue to serve the city in a very special world that we are bestowing the cultural heritage for our city and county of San Francisco and also for me personally, it's very important that we advocate the equitable access to uh, maintaining our cultural resources and our heritage for not just Asian and Chinese, but also other people who had identify um, their gender orientations and also other types of um, identification. So I'm really proud in my past three and a half years of service that you allowed me to serve the city. We have, um, landmarked at our first ever historical archaeological site for Chinese American burial ground. And I was really um, just, it, it really speaks the level of magnitude and, all, and, and the dedications that Supervisor Chen and her constituents had worked together and pulled forward with this. And it's really personally profound for my life to be able to see everyone felt that um, not only the privilege and resource people get to be acknowledged, but also the, the unnamed people that have been buried and excavated. Um, um, you know, so that was really important. And I was also really proud to be able to be part of the process to uh, landmark our first ever lesbian um, historic resource for uh, the Lyons and Martins residents, and that was very important um, that we elevate everyone. And I would like to be, um, I'm here to answer any questions if you have anything, and I'm just really happy to be here and continue to serve the surface of the city with my expertise that I can be useful. Ms. So, and thank you for your service. Are there any questions or comments from committee members? Yes, uh, Chair Peskin, I, uh, this is Member Chan, and would like to just say a few words and just want to thank Commissioner So for uh, your service for the last few years, but also willingness to continue to serve on this body. I really appreciate uh, your support uh, for the Kong Chow uh, funerary um, landmarking and the Lincoln Park landmarking um, legislation that we worked on together. Um, but I also appreciate your perspective uh, about um, cultural assets in our city, uh, especially through the lens of the Miller Act, and just kind of help me actually and do our conversations um, to really think through more about um, what 
the city's landscape could look like and should look like uh, embody the, our history, but also look forward to our future. And I think that's a critical time uh, to not just preserve our history, but to make our history shine in the new way. Um, and I think that requires people that actually uh, be mindful of who we been and who we were and where we have been and, and what our future should look like. Um, so I, I am pleased that you're willing to serve and happy to support your reappointment today. Thank you, Chair Peskin. Thank you, Member Chan. Why don't we go to public comment on item number two. Are there any members of the public who would like to testify on this item? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this matter and joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, you can call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin comments. Uh, we have one person in the, in the room for public comment. Please come forward, and you may begin. Thank you, uh, Chairman Peskin, Supervisors Mandelman and Chan. I appear before you today. My name is Douglas Chan. I'm president of the Chinese Historical Society of America. Several years ago, I had the pleasure of coming before this committee to speak in favor of the appointment of the Honorable Lydia So. I'm here today to urge your speedy reappointment of Commissioner So. It, it's often said in the field of historic preservation that the functions are preserving, restoring, and repurposing uh, sites of historical importance. But I think th this added component, and Commissioner So has already alluded to it, is that of storytelling. And in this regard, uh, you have an example of a commissioner who has used uh, in excess of a quarter century of design experience in aid of telling the uh, stories of particular places and, and sites. She's been an invaluable resource, uh, not only to our work at CHSA in the community, but also uh, major studios such as Paramount, uh, media outlets such as KTSF. She's also been uh, continued her involvement uh, with the American Institute of Architects, uh, notably in the discussions about the revitalization and preservation of the Golden Gate uh, Concourse. Uh, in my line of work, uh, particularly in terms of the hearing function of these commissions. We want to have a fair and impartial jury. You will find uh, no better uh, fair or impartial uh, commissioner to exercise this important function. And finally, uh, CHSA uh, wishes you healthy, happy, prosperous new year. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Chan, and uh, thank you and uh, best wishes to everyone for the new year of the rabbit. Uh, are there any additional members of the public for public comment on this item? There's no further people in the chamber and just double checking our telephone line. Uh, there, are, there are no callers uh, on the telephone line at this time. Okay, public comment for item number two is closed and I will make a multifaceted motion to amend the subject motion by removing the word rejecting in line three and the word rejects in line 13 and suggest that we send it as amended to the full board with a positive recommendation on that two-part 
Uh, motion a roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Chan, I, Vice Chair Manoman. Manoman, I, Chair Peskin. Sorry, I didn't hear. I. Peskin, I. The motion passes without objection. Next item, please. Yes, moving on to item number three, and just let you know, Chair Peskin, uh, we're kind of losing your volume or loudness at this point. Uh, is that better? Yes, that's a lot better. Thank okay. you. Item number three, motion approving and rejecting the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Nabiha Azim to the Treasure Island Development Authority Board of Directors for the term ending April 28, 2026. Thank you, Mr. Young, uh, and thank you to the mayor for nominating somebody who is absolutely 100% qualified for this seat. I had the pleasure of meeting with Ms. Azim last week, and uh, as you can see by her resume, is a perfect fit for Treasure Island's uh, Development Authority, where we are building a lot of affordable housing, which is exactly what her resume shows. With that, Ms. Azim, the floor is yours. Thank you, Supervisor Peskin, and good morning, Supervisor Chan and Supervisor Mandelman. Um, as mentioned, I have worked at Mercy Housing for the last eight years, where I started construction on the 138-unit affordable housing development um, that will replace housing for Catholic Charities residents, as well as existing um, villages, families, and new affordable housing, as well as work on future um, affordable developments. I also worked on the Sunnydale Hope SF project, so have intimate knowledge on how to develop um, affordable and master plan developments, and now work for Oxford Properties on master plan developments outside of San Francisco. And so it is my honor to continue to work on Treasure Island. That project is near and dear to my heart in creating equitable communities in San Francisco. Uh, are there any questions or comments <coughs> from committee members? Sorry about that. Oh, there's nobody on the roster at this time. Hey, are there any members of the public who would like to testify on this most excellent nomination? Yes, if there are any members of the public who would like to uh, provide public comment in person, you can line up at this time. For those listening remotely, you can call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. There's nobody in line to speak in the chamber, and there is nobody on the telephone line to speak at this time. Okay, public comment is closed, and I will make the multifaceted motion to amend the subject motion by removing the word rejecting in line three and removing the word reject in line eight and sending the item as amended to the full board with an enthusiastic Positive recommendation on that motion. A roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Manelman. Manelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Sorry, we, I didn't hear that one. Uh, I, um, Chair Peskin is aye. I did see him uh, state that verbally. Uh, that motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Young. 
Thank you, Ms. Azim. Next item, please, Mr. Clerk. Yes, item number four is a motion finding that Miriam Zozunis proposal, uh, proposal to apply for grant administered by the Office of Economic and Workforce Development and to seek assistance from OEWD relating to nonprofit on who board she serves on are not incompatible with the statement of incompatible activities of the Small Business Commission, of which she is a member subject to conditions. Thank you, Mr. Young. Colleagues, uh, this uh, advanced written determination motion has been brought to us by Supervisor Dorsey. Uh, the reasons for the advanced written determination are set forth in the body of the uh, motion as relates to uh, Ms. Um, Zizunis's, uh nonprofit upon which she serves on the board without compensation being able to apply for OEWD grants. Uh, it uh, is for two years in duration uh, and uh, stipulates that Ms. Zizunis will not receive direct grant relief from OEWD and that the organization, the Neighborhood Business Alliance, be compensated um, for her, or that she not be compensated for her role as a board member where she currently is not compensated uh, in that volunteer capacity. Ms. Zunis, is there anything you would like to uh, add or address this body as it relates to the advanced written determination introduced by Supervisor Dorsey? Uh, thank you, Chair Peskin, Supervisors, uh, for having me. Uh, as you know, I'm your board appointed um, board appointee on the Small Business Commission. Um, where I serve as vice chair. And um, just to give you a little context, this is second and third generation and new businesses who have um, helped our historic um, ethnic merchant group in the Arab and South Asian and African communities um, become a fully um, stood up nonprofit trade association. And this is just me doing my due diligence as a board member of that in my merchant and community capacity um, if we uh, seek any funds in an agency adjacent to the one in which I oversee, I will continue to do my due diligence in um, maintaining um, transparency and ethics procedures. So thank you for having me today. Thank you, Ms. Zunis. Are there any questions or comments from committee members? Seeing none, is there any public comment on this item? Yes, uh, members of the public who wish to speak on this matter and are joining us in person should like to speak at this time, for those listening remotely, you can call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. There is nobody in the chamber for public comment, and we're just double-checking uh, there's nobody on the telephone line for public comment at this time. Public comment is closed, and I will make a motion to send this motion with recommendation to the full Board of Supervisors. On that motion, a roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you. Next item, please. Thank you, Ms. Azunas, Commissioner Azunas. Next item, please, Mr. Clerk. Yes, next on the agenda is item number five. 
Hearing to consider appointing three members term expiring November 21st, 2024 to the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee. We have one applicant for the for this item. Thank you, uh, Mr. Young and colleagues. Uh, Ms. Crawford, who already sits on the General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee, uh, is applying to uh, be to have another term. Um, I would like to say this is a uh, really quite important um, body, and I just wanted to uh, say to anybody who is listening, we are continu continuing to seek uh, two more members uh, of this body that oversees the expenditure of general obligation bonds in the city and county of San Francisco. So if you are interesting, interested, please uh, contact the clerk's office um, so that we can consider you at a future meeting. With that, Ms. Crawford, good morning. The floor is yours. Good morning, Chair Peskin and Supervisors Chan and Mandelman. Thank you so much for um, having me this morning and thank you for this um, opportunity. Thank you for considering my, my reappointment um, to the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee. Um, as Chair Peskin said, I have served on this committee for the past year. I was originally appointed to seat one um, to, to um, complete another member's uh, term that um, another member who had been um, appointed to another committee. So um, that was just about a year ago. And since then I have um, become a liaison for the whistleblower program and also um, for the 2016 public health and safety bond. And I'm really, I've also, uh, I also ran for and was elected vice chair of the Siegel Bach in October, I believe. Um, so I really hope for the opportunity to um, start this new term and complete a full two-year term. Um, especially, I would say this 2016 public health and safety bond that I oversee, most of the projects have been completed for it, but um, the one that is still outstanding and will be extremely active over the next two years is Building 5 at Zuckerberg, um, which is a pretty complicated project, and um, I'm just kind of digging in now, so I really hope to, to serve for another two years to see that through. I am a small business owner. I live in District 3. My office is in District 6. I'm also the proud parent of two SFUSD students. Um, we are very, um, we use many of the, the projects that the Bach oversees um, throughout the city. So for me, it's been a really, really interesting. Uh, Ms. Crawford, I think we lost you. Oh. Oop, there you are, you're back. Can you, is that, yeah. were you all able to hear me? We lost your last sentence. Lost your last sentence, yes. Okay, I just was saying that I've really learned a lot serving on the Bach, and I hope to have the opportunity to serve the next two years, one full term. We are delighted that you are willing to serve again. You are, a, in my opinion, a, an excellent fit, exactly 
what uh, we envisioned when committees like this were created. Uh, and I would be delighted to make the motion to reappoint you after we hear public comment. Is there any public comment on this item? Yes, members of the public would like to make public comment and our president can line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, you can call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, we need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that'll be your cue to begin your comment. There's nobody in the chamber for public comment and just checking the telephone line, there's nobody on the telephone line for public comment. Okay, public comment is closed and I will uh, make the motion to send Ms. Crawford's reappointment to the full board with a positive recommendation on that motion. A roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair, uh, Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Young. Thank you, Ms. Crawford. Next item, please. Yes. One moment. Next on the agenda is item number six. Here you consider appointing four members terms ending January 31st, 2025 to the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District Board of Directors. Four seats, four applicants. Okay. Uh, I served with all four of these individuals back when, when I was briefly a member of the Golden Gate uh, Highway and Transportation District Board of Directors. All four of them uh, very seasoned and experienced on the Golden Gate Highway and Transportation District Board. <clears throat> Sabrina Hernandez uh, from, for seat number one, Bert Hill for seat number two, Richard Groswell for seat number three, and Michael Terrio for seat number four. Why don't we hear from all of them in that order? And then if there are any questions or comments, we'll hear from committee members and then go to public comment. Ms. Hernandez, good morning. Uh, one moment while we check. I don't believe that Ms. Hernandez is on the telephone line. And I, I don't believe Sabrina. she is in the room at this time. Saw Sabrina last week, and I think she said she was going to come. But why don't we go on to Bird Hill? Uh, he is coming forward at the at this moment. Thank you, Victor. Good morning, President Peskin, Vice President Mandelson, and Supervisor Chan. Thank you for coming this morning. Um, I'm, I'm asking for a reappointment uh, based on my qualifications, which is largely an avid uh, transportation um, uh, uh, person, as well as I, I have some uh, good qualifications relative to the next two years at least, because we face some real problems uh, economically with the bridge. We're going to have to make some serious decisions 
about um, the, the drop-off in transportation by automobiles, uh, people and buses, and, and our ferry system. And I think I have the qualifications and basis. With that, I can take questions. Thank you, Mr. Hill. Are there any questions from committee members? There's nobody on the roster at this time. Why don't we go on to Richard Drosbold. Mr. Drosbold, good morning. Morning, thank you. Uh, it's been my pleasure to serve on the board for quite a few years, and uh, my prior priority area right now is really the suicide deterrent system, the net. Uh, we're hoping to fi finally get it completed this year. It's taken much longer than we had anticipated with some issues dealing with the contractor and other related issues. But we've got a lot going on. As Bert just said, we've, we're, our revenue is down significantly with the uh, ridership on the buses and the ferries and even drivers go over the bridge. So we've lost that uh, revenue that does fund our transit. So we've got a lot of serious issues involving transit and uh, in keeping that going over there, giving the funding issues. And, uh, of course, we've got the seismic retrofit retrofit that is still going on and we also have the um, toll plaza uh, we're putting in a new toll gantry system within the next year or so so a lot's going on at the bridge and of course the budget issue like a lot of government agencies uh, transit agencies is a real challenge with the decline in and uh, number of ridership but uh, uh, I would like to serve another two years and I've appreciated the opportunity to do so so and we are fortunate just to say we have a great uh, great staff out at the bridge both the leadership and our workforce so uh, we feel pretty fortunate out there so thank you Thank you, Commissioner, and I do want to note that uh, Mr. Groswell has served as the president or chair of that body in the past, and now we will move on to Michael Terrio, uh, who also, I think, has served as president of the body. Mr. Terrio. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chair, uh, and good morning, and good morning, uh, Supervisors Mandelman and Chan. Um, and, uh, well, first of all, Mr. President, um, congratulations on your return to the presidency of the board and um, condolences. Um, yeah. I, uh, I came before this uh, committee two years ago uh, with an expectation and a plan. Uh, the expectation, uh, I think Supervisor uh, Peskin, uh, Mr. President, uh, you'd be familiar with, and that is that uh, um, the presidency of the board of directors of the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District traditionally alternates between someone from north of the gate, someone from south of the gate, uh, and that on the basis of seniority. And so I was in line uh, midway through uh, this last term to become president of the board of directors. Uh, there is a vote involved, but uh, the board uh, did follow tradition, and I have been president of the board now for a year and will be president uh, for another year pending. Um, the um, plan uh, that I stated back when was to undertake uh, something that uh, was overdue, and that was a strategic planning initiative for the board. Um, uh, as President Peskin is aware, uh, the uh, uh, the business of the Board of Directors uh, at the district uh, is largely staff-driven, not board-driven. One of the opportunities that the board has to drive the, uh, the activities of the district is to do, from time to time, a strategic plan. We had not done one since 2013-2014, so we were well overdue. We tend, the, the general impetus is to do them every five years. Um, and. Um, I have to report that I have not yet accomplished that. Uh, there were a couple of hindrances in the last year, one of which was uh, the pandemic and its effect on um, 
its its effect on uncertainty uh, in the uh, in in the funds uh, that come into the district as uh, as supervisor uh, excuse me as director Grossball has alluded to um, in the last month. Um, uh, bridge tolls were down 18 percent, I believe it was. Ferry traffic was down 56 percent. Um, uh, and uh, bus traffic was down, bus usage was down 56%, so revenues have dropped accordingly. Um, but that uncertainty, it, did see, it seemed to me, um, did not uh, uh, absolve the board from its obligation to plan. Um, when the uh, budget was proposed to the board in May, it contained language from staff in two locations that would have said, essentially, we, the board, throw up our hands and we won't attempt a planning process uh, because of this uncertainty. I pitched a fit uh, about that language. Uh, I said no. Um, that is our obligation despite uncertainty. Um, the um, COVID has roughly um, four to the power of 14,000-something possible mutations. Uh, this uncertainty may be with us for a long time. Uh, we can't stop planning because of uncertainty. And we can plan on the basis of proposing various scenarios and then saying, if scenario A, then we do B. If scenario C, then we do C. If scenario E, then we do F. Uh, and I proposed language uh, that acknowledged that possibility. And that was incorporated uh, into the budget, replacing the language staff had put in there. Um, and we... Um, uh, as a result, in, um, in November, received from staff uh, a set of financial projections uh, that had three different scenarios uh, to which we could plan and in which I expressed some delight. Um, the other hindrance uh, was a matter of personal health. Uh, I had a couple of things, one of which was nearly fatal, uh, the other of which um, may be fatal someday, but not quite yet. Uh, and uh, I think I'm good for... Uh, the near term, for the next couple of years, certainly. Uh, and um, uh, as a result, uh, in, with the, the, the new financial projection available from uh, staff uh, in December, I had initial meetings with uh, staff and with a couple of committee chairs about starting this strategic planning effort. Uh, at the beginning of this month, I began work on appointing a strategic planning advisory committee. Uh, that involved a lot of shuffling among other committee members on the board. Uh, but that, that uh, committee has now been appointed. It is scheduled to meet this Friday, its first meeting. Uh, I have drafted a calendar uh, for that planning effort that has us completing it in December uh, at the end of my term as president. And um, uh, with your indulgence uh, and your uh, reappointment, for which I now humbly ask, uh, I'll take on that work. Uh, and um, with that, I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you, uh, President Terrio, and thank you for your service, and I am delighted that you are still amongst us. Uh, are there any questions for President Terrio? If not, is Ms. Hernandez with us in person or remotely? And by the way, if she is not, I am prepared to, if it is acceptable to my colleagues, reappoint her. Sorry, uh, Chair Peskin, I would like to say just a few words. Yes. 
Thank you, and I just want to thank Mr. Terrio. Thank you so much for reaching out, and my apologies for not responding in time for us to meet before today, but I hope that you take that as uh, actually really my support uh, for you and your leadership, uh, it, that it's much needed, uh, like uh, Chair Peskin mentioned, that we're really glad that you're here with us uh, today and willingness to commit actually the next uh, two years and, and however long, uh, uh, the, till 2025, um, to continue this work with us and, uh, and your commitments to public service. For that, uh, I personally am grateful to you and uh, really happy to support not just you, uh, but also uh, your fellow um, uh, board of directors to uh, continue their service uh, for, for us and for this community and uh, pun intended, bridging the gap uh, between San Francisco and neighboring counties. So thank you. There is something fitting about having an iron worker be the president of the bridge board. Uh, all right, any, is Ms. Hernandez available? Going once, going twice. Why don't we go to public comment? Yes, Ms. Hernandez is not on the, on our uh, telephone line via Teams, and I don't believe she is in the room at this time. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that will be your cue to begin your comment. There's nobody in the room for public comment at this time, and we have one caller on the line for public comment. First and only speaker, please. Uh, good morning, David Pilpel. Uh, I follow the Bridge District uh, closely, comment regularly, and support the reappointment of the four incumbent directors at this time. Thank you very much. Mr. Pilpel, public comment is closed. And I will make a motion, colleagues, to reappoint uh, Ms. Hernandez, Mr. Hill, Mr. Groswell, and Mr. Terrio to the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District Board of Directors. On that motion, a roll call, please. Uh, my apologies. I just want to confirm that you would like to uh, confirm reappointment for all four members? Yes. Yes, my apologies. I just didn't hear it. Uh, yes, on that motion... Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, I. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, I. Chair Peskin. Uh, Peskin uh, has visually tried to state aye. Uh, uh, Peskin, I. The motion passes without objection. Going on next to item. the next item, which is item number seven which is an ordinance amending the campaign and government conduct code to update the conflict of interest codes form 700 statement of economic interest filing requirements by adding deleting and changing titles of certain designated office officials and employees to reflect organizational and staffing changes and by refining discussion requirements for certain designated officials and employees Thank you, Mr. Young. I have put in my headset. Maybe you can hear me better now. Yes, we hear you fine now. Excellent. Uh, colleagues, we have heard and amended this 
on two previous occasions. If my memory serves, it was subject to meet and confer, and we had to delay it one more time. I believe it is now ready to go. Uh, and I think we made all of the appropriate amendments, particularly as it relates to the passage of the Charter Amendment creating the uh, Homelessness uh, Commission and the fact that uh, the passage of, you'd think I would remember which letter it was, but the Charter Amendment that did not split uh, the Department of Public Works into two departments. I think all of those amendments have been made. Uh, Madam Deputy City Attorney, am I correct? Yes, Chair Peskin, you are. All right, uh, is there, so I think third time is a charm. We can forward this to the full board subject to public comment. Is there, are there any members of the public who would like to comment on this item number seven? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this matter and are are in the chamber, can line speak at this time. For those listening remotely, you please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. Uh, there's nobody in the chamber at this time for public comment. And we have uh, one person on the phone for public comment. First and only speaker, please. Great, David Pilpel again. I made comments on this item at its uh, previous uh, two appearances. I won't repeat those now. If uh, the ordinance is not being amended to address those, I hope those comments will be taken into account uh, next time this comes up in roughly a year and a half. Um, I do believe that some of the references to uh, titles in departments are still uh, ambiguous. The references to managers uh, in some cases are clear, in other cases uh, less so. And I still believe that departments that are larger should have the divisions clearly called out, whereas departments that are smaller need not have divisions uh, called out within the department. Um, that's a quick reference to my previous comments. Thank you very much for listening. Okay, public comment is closed, and I will make a motion to send the item as previously amended to the full board with a positive recommendation on that motion. A roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Next item, please. Next on the agenda is item number eight, ordinance amending the administrative code to require Board of Supervisors approval of a policy governing the funding, acquisition, and use of certain law enforcement equipment of the Sheriff's Department consistent with the criteria set forth in the state law and approving Sheriff's Department's use of, uh, use of equipment policy. Thank you, Mr. Young. Colleagues, uh, I want to welcome our Sheriff, Mr. Paul Miyamoto, this morning, uh, who is here with regard to their policies proposed around uh, the use and policies relating to certain law enforcement equipment. You will recall uh, that in 2021, Governor Newsom signed into law uh, Assembly Bill 481, authored by then Assembly Member, now our City Attorney David Chu, requiring law enforcement agencies to obtain approval 
uh, by ordinance of an equipment use policy. Um, we wrestled over many occasions uh, as it relates to the police department's uh, first time out um, regarding their policies around uh, military-grade law enforcement equipment. Hopefully, this will be easier. I want to thank Sheriff Miyamoto and his staff for working with interested members of the community and evolving a policy that at its first time out seems to be less controversial than the police departments when first introduced. So hopefully we will have less work to do. I don't know if we will see fit to forward it today or whether there are some tweaks that we want to make. I did want to ask before we start with the policy itself, uh, the deputy city attorney, and sorry, Ms. Pearson, that I didn't have the time as I went to bed at 8 o'clock and woke up this morning at 7.30, sick as a dog, um, to call you. But uh, I think that the um, recitals, the background recitals on page two in the first paragraph on that page are outdated. Uh, I don't think that the police department ordinance uh, is still pending before the board. I think we, uh, while we did duplicate the file, we did ultimately pass the police department's use policies. Uh, and the next paragraph, subsection C, uh, I don't know whether it's 96G or 96H, but I think we have resolved those. Are you seeing what I'm seeing, Anne? Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson. Um, yes, I am. This was drafted, I think, before the other ordinance was adopted, which is why right. we included the status here. Um, these are non-codified findings, um, so I think if you want to leave them as is, you can, or if you'd like to update them, we can do that as well to reflect the fact that the police policy has since been adopted. Yeah, I mean, it seems like for historical accuracy given that it is now January of 2023 re reciting the current status uh, is right. Um, the other thing, and this is a question for you colleagues, in section three, the annual reporting requirement uh, says as required by state law within one year of the effective date of this ordinance, the sheriff shall submit to the board an annual equipment report for each type of equipment in the inventory and annually thereafter. I was wondering whether or not we might want to endeavor within the confines of what state law allows to actually have the police department and sheriff's department policies arrive at the board at the same time or approximately the same time. So that is a question for us to ponder. Uh, and then to the sheriff, on page four, uh, subsection C, there's a provision that says is required by state law within 30 days of submitting and publicly releasing its required annual report. The sheriff shall hold at least one well-publicized and conveniently located community engagement meeting. Uh, and Sheriff Miyamoto, just something for you to think about whether or not you want to use and whether we should write into this ordinance that the voter approved oversight, sheriff's oversight body be the uh, be the forum uh, where this engagement meeting required by state law is held. Just something for you to think about. I'm not married to that. And with those preliminary comments, 
Uh, I will turn it over to Sheriff Miyamoto to present their policy. And thank you again to your staff and to Ronnie Singh of your department for working uh, so well with the community uh, in bringing this policy forward. Chair Peskin, thank you very much for that opening and uh, also for the recognition of the work that was uh, completed and done by our staff here at the Sheriff's Office. And good morning to the other members of the committee. I appreciate your time and uh, the opportunity to present to you our uh, equipment list and our uh, different uses for those pieces of equipment. Uh, having the opportunity to share that information with you is something that we have been prepared for in collaboration with uh, some of the groups that were mentioned by Chair Peskin. Uh, American Friends Service Committee was a key component of a lot of our thought process on the information that we are now presenting to you, and we appreciated their time and energy on this. Uh, Director John Poland and also Jennifer Two were individuals who spoke with members of my team uh, in order to make sure that we are as transparent uh, as possible in presenting the materials and also giving a perspective on the uses of those items of equipment. Uh, we do have a PowerPoint presentation for this, and I believe at this time if we could have Christian Kropf, who is on Teams, uh, co-host, so that he is best able to present the presentation. It should show up on the screen momentarily. There it goes. All right, and I, I again want to thank the committee for the opportunity to do, uh, present this information. Uh, we have tried to be as comprehensive as possible, so our, power, our PowerPoint presentation might have a lot of information in it, all of which I will cover, and be happy to answer questions as we go along uh, through the presentation itself. Uh, one of the, obviously we all know why we are here, and the reasons for being here on this equipment presentation. Uh, I do want to mention, from my perspective as the sheriff, uh, I have a working knowledge of all of these items, and I have personally used some of these items just because of my prior experience in our department over 26 years in, 15 of which I spent on the special response team and in the emergency services unit. And I do want to provide the perspective of not just going over the slides, but also of the actual use uh, based on personal experience. So one thing that I do want to point out as we move forward is the fact that the majority of these items are used only in special situations and in consideration of all policies that we have of state law, of local ordinance, uh, the uses, I am fully aware as an elected official that people are very sensitive to any time that we use any sort of equipment outside of the norms of what we carry. And I want to make sure that today we spend time to make sure all of you are assured in the uses that we have. Uh, if we move forward on the slides, please. <coughs> Uh, as I mentioned, the majority of these uses are by the special response team, the emergency services unit that we have within our department, two units that are designated to deal with special situations and uh, critical incidents, special events that require uses and procedures outside the norm of our normal practices. Uh, next slide. Our presentation list that is going to follow will include the following items that are listed here. Uh, just briefly, uh, we have our UAVs, our unmanned aerial, uh, our unmanned aircraft systems, our recon scout robot, 
Uh, we will cover our mobile command vehicles, breaching shotgun with the rounds that are used by that, our uh, rifles that are used as well, uh, and other listed firearms. Uh, we will cover diversionary devices, launchers, and chemical agents, uh, our less lethal impact munitions, and all of the ammunition that we use for all of these devices. Next slide, please. Moving right into it, our small unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, we have a component of our department, our air squadron, which is an auxiliary unit within our department, uh, which partners with our deputies to provide uh, the use of a UAS, an unmanned aircraft system, to get information during critical incidents, searches and rescue operations, uh, disaster response, barricaded subjects and hostage situations, any sort of operation that uh, we will need information to make informed decisions on what we are going to do moving forward. Uh, we do not have facial recognition software or any of the other items that are of concern to individuals uh, regarding First Amendment rights and expectations of privacy. Uh, the deployment of these drones, I had a question from one of the other supervisors the other night and uh, wasn't able to provide the answer via email, but I will say here in our presentation that uh, we don't use the UAVs in any First Amendment activities, which include protests and monitoring of protests. So that is not a part of what we deploy these devices for. Uh, they've been very valuable to us in the limited deployments that we have had in the past in terms of providing uh, a view, a bird's eye view of disaster scenes, crime scenes. Uh, we have a vast property out at San Bruno, uh, and that is where we do most of our training on the UAV with our air squadron, and uh, it helps us to cover large areas with visual abilities, uh, which we would not otherwise have uh, on the ground. We're also able to launch these devices very quickly in order to get eyes up and be able to see things as they happen in real time. Uh, they're also very cost effective for our air squadron. Instead of putting an airplane up into the sky uh, with the attached costs, uh, the UAVs are relatively uh, more simple to deploy. Uh, we do follow all of the guidelines, federal aviation guidelines, certification requirements for operators of the UAVs. Uh, deputies who are assigned to liaison with the air squadron are provided uh, not just the training from the air squadron, but we have a few that have successfully completed and are currently going through training on the permitting and certification of the use. Do you have any other questions at this time on the UAVs before I move on to the next item? No, or I don't. Okay. Uh, moving right along, next slide please. Our recon scout robot. Uh, this is a small remote controlled robot with a camera affixed which transmits video uh, to a small handheld portable screen. There is no audio on this device and it is not capable of delivering any other items. Uh, as you can see from the graphic there, uh, the remote scout robot itself is really just a column on two wheels and within that column is the camera system. Uh, this is used uh, to transmit video to give our special response team members information regarding scene safety. There's no offensive capability, as I mentioned. And one thing to note about this device itself is that it is outdated 
and obsolete and currently doesn't function. Um, and it is the only device that we have that provides that kind of capability. So we have an interest in fixing it and making it better, but not an interest in uh, changing any design to any item that provides us that visual information. So we're not looking for any other devices that will deliver something in those situations. It's just a visual for us that we use it for. And as I mentioned, the authorized use, next slide please. The authorized use is really just to gather information, visual information, and reduce risk for potential injury during an operation. Um, and it's not used as a force option in any way, shape, or form. Next slide, please. Uh, are there any questions about that device before we move on? Great. Uh, the next items that I have on the presentation are vehicles, first of which is a 2012 Freightliner MT55. That's a fancy way of saying that we have a command vehicle capable of providing us an incident command post for both planned and unplanned events that is mobile and accessible in the field. These are basically communication systems, uh, bases of operation for us when we're out there in the field. They can be deployed, as I mentioned, for planned or unplanned events and requires a Class B license of which we have a number of staff members available for that with our transportation unit. Uh, it is currently in use. We've used it in deployments in the past. I don't believe that we've used it in 2021, as mentioned in the report. Uh, we've only used it really in 2022 for training operations and uh, it is a useful platform for us to have out in the field when we do conduct training operations out at different locations. Uh, the second vehicle, if you can go to the next slide please, oh thank you, is the 2013 Ford F59. This is a basic non-armored vehicle primarily used to transport equipment and personnel. Uh, it's very similar in shape and design to a UPS delivery truck and has a capability of getting people and equipment to places relatively quickly and safely. Any questions about the vehicles that we have covered? Great, next slide please. All right, the following slides will uh, show you our breaching shotgun. Now this is a device used exclusively during SRT SWAT type operations to defeat locked, barricaded, or fortified locations in order for us to uh, conduct rescues or high-risk forcible entries during high-risk and critical incidents. Uh, breaching slugs that we use on this platform uh, aren't utilized outside of training or apprehensions or critical incidents or accident circumstances when we do have to get in someplace very quickly. Uh, usually while we're executing an arrest or search warrant. Uh, and it is deployed primarily as a breaching tool. Uh, only under extreme accident circumstances would this be used as a lethal, lethal force option. And it is in fact a shotgun that is modified to be a breaching tool. Uh, the capability of this device when used with breaching slugs is to uh, help us to manually breach and defeat hinges and locking mechanisms on doors, uh, other devices that prevent entry into a room, uh, it is able to defeat. 
And in regards to the use itself, uh, it is not something that all deputies are trained on. It is only something that our SRT members are trained on. Uh, there is a specific course on shotgun breaching that they have to complete successfully in order to be able to be authorized to use this device. And there is ongoing training during the SRT annual training cycle to make sure that they keep consistent with those skills. Next slide, please. Oh, thank you. The capability to do this with breaching rounds uh, is also specific to the ammunition used. Uh, that ammunition is listed here and is specific to the breach. Uh, and as mentioned in the previous slide, this is the only ammunition used by trained deputies in the use of the breaching shotgun. Any questions on that device before we move on? Seeing none, next slide, please. Our specialized firearms are a category of items which cover a number of different models and types. Uh, the purpose and scope of these firearms are to effectively and accurately address increasing levels of firepower and body armor utilized by violent subjects. Again, these are special circumstances, critical incidents, uh, where we would need immediate tactical resources to respond to uh, deadly threats and people who are equipped with items such as these uh, to be able to match that. We have these items available to our special response team. Uh, the firearms and their corresponding ammunition uh, are specific to deadly force situations, uh, specific to imminent threats of death or serious bodily injury. We do have some that have capabilities that are specialized, which you'll see in the following slides, but the overall mission of these firearms is to be able to defeat deadly force situations. Uh, these are not pulled rifles. These are items that are actually assigned to individuals after training and qualification. Uh, there is a category here of an item which is a submachine gun and select fire pistols, which are in our inventory but are not currently used in deployment in response to things, and we'll cover that in a few slides. Next slide, please. Regarding authorized use, as I mentioned, uh, this is a reasonable expectation that the rifle may be needed to meet a threat of death, uh, imminent threat of death or serious bodily injury. Our use of force policy covers all of the items which are required to deal with this. Um, some examples are listed here in this slide just to give you a picture of some of the situations and circumstances when these may be deployed and used. Uh, situations where a deputy may anticipate an armed encounter faced with a situation that may require accurate and effective firing at long range. Uh, situations where a deputy reasonably expects the need to exceed a suspect's firepower, or an individual who may be a barricaded person or person with a hostage. Uh, also, a situation where the suspect may be wearing body armor. Uh, and these are all situations that are needed, uh, authorized and requested by a supervisor. Uh, also listed in our policy is when needed to dispatch an animal. Next slide, please. All of our policies, by the way, are governed by the use, uh, by the different laws specific to our use of force policy. 835A subsection C is listed here for the California Penal Code. Um, 
I don't know if it's necessary for me to read through all of these slides at this time, so I'm just going to make sure that you have this as a reference and keep going through the presentation. Um, so 835AC is California Penal Code. Next section, please. In regards to our possession of this, our usage, and our training, California Penal Code 33220, subsection B, covers all of that. One thing to mention is that we also have a patrol rifle training course. Uh, we have non-SRT and ESU members who are trained in and qualified with the use of long rifles, is what we call them, or patrol rifles. Uh, they must successfully pass the training uh, that is described herein. Uh, there is also a refresher training that our department provides, a four-hour refresher update, to make sure that people maintain their skill level and certification levels. Uh, those are the only individuals that can deploy rifles. Uh, it is not something issued to everyone in the department. Next slide, please. So specific to our specialized personnel, we have a few items listed here on this slide. Without going into detail, I will say most of these platforms are uh, rifle platforms. Um, when you see the different models there, it references the different lengths in barrel, uh, the different types of uh, weapons that are used here, uh, use different types of ammo as well. Uh, one thing of note, and I will cover it in the following slide, is uh, I do want to mention that the H and K MP5 listed at the very bottom is something that was brought up by our uh, collaborators and something that we discussed at length regarding the usage because it's not currently being deployed. But it is an item which uh, I will cover in another slide. The next slide gives you an idea of the type of training that the SRT does go through for the rifle training. Uh, in addition to the rifle course, uh, all post-certified SWAT courses in the state of California require a component which involves rifle training. Um, there is a biannual rifle qualification that we have twice a year. Members of our SRT have to pass that. They do have monthly training on the rifles in addition to all of the prerequisites. Uh, our sniper team and our counter sniper abilities uh, are all SRT members and they also have to pass a specialized post course which certifies them in rifle marksmanship and sniper capabilities. They're also of note, they're also the only unit, and it's a very small unit, three to five people, who are qualified on the use of one specific platform that we have listed here, the LWRC REPR system, which please refer to your slides to what that means. Uh, next slide, please. This is the one I mentioned earlier, the MP5 submachine gun, which was a uh, Topic of discussion with our collaboration on uh, the listing and usage of this item. The MP5 platform is one that is a little different than the other rifles that I have mentioned so far. This MP5 platform is a 9mm platform and is also a category which we call a submachine gun. Um, when we discuss this uh, in terms of deployment, it's something that I have personally been trained on and I am familiar with something that I know has a usage in specific situations. Uh, but unfortunately, we haven't brought our team up to speed on the training of this item due to training considerations and focus on the other items. So it is something that we will continue to maintain in our inventory, but something which is not currently being used, similar to the Recon Scout. Uh, the training requirements on this, uh, 
are also specific to the platform itself. Uh, it's all codified in the previously referenced penal codes. And I just highlight this because it is something separate and apart from the other rifle platforms that we have listed. Any questions on that? Okay. Next slide, please. This is the last category of our specialized rifles. This is what we call our sniper rifles. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the acronym for that is the Rapid Engagement Precision Rifle. Uh, it is a specific round to our sniper team. Uh, its capability is to ensure that we are able to engage hostile threats and suspects at a great distance with accuracy. Uh, our authorized use, as mentioned, is for those types of events. And as I mentioned earlier as well, our sniper team members have to successfully complete a post-certified course specific to this type of operation. Uh, these are bolt action, single fire weapons, so they're not something capable of, uh, of any other sort of select fire situation. Um, and they are all legally prescribed and uh, regulated under the post guidelines that we have previously mentioned. Is there any question about the sniper rifles that we have? Okay, next slide please. We've also listed out some of the costs uh, associated with the types of platforms that I have mentioned, as well as the ammunition that is referenced. In the interest of time, I do want to just mention that we have some of those costs in following slides. So if we can move on from this slide to the next one. Uh, this, this slide actually presents information specific to the platforms that have been mentioned previously. Uh, more detail in terms of their capability uh, and what type of operating system they all have. Next slide, please. I do want to emphasize again that these are only used in specific types of situations to increase our abilities and capabilities in the event that we have to defeat any body armor or challenges by violent suspects who have similar capabilities. Next slide, please. And I apparently just jumped the slides because I just mentioned everything, my previous comments on this slide for the purpose, so I apologize for that. Uh, but this slide references what I just mentioned. Next slide, please. Again, the costs are listed here for reference on the platforms themselves and the ammunition used. Go ahead and next slide, please. I think that's a list of our ammunition and types of ammunition that's used. Uh, and if there's no questions on that, we can go to the inventory table for reference on the next slide, which gives you an idea of all the different types of platforms specific to uh, all references to specialized firearms that I've mentioned so far. Uh, moving on. The following parts of the presentation will refer to uh, no longer refer to any specialized firearms, but they will cover diversionary devices and some of our other platforms, which are less lethal in usage. Uh, in regards to our diversionary devices, otherwise known as flashbangs, uh, we do have these in our inventory specific to usage by the special response team only for specific types of high-risk warrants or events or hostage rescue. Uh, this device 
is a class C is, uh, is a class C explosive that emits a bright light and thunderous noise to distract potentially dangerous individuals. Uh, I can say from personal experience, it's very loud and very bright. Um, there is a requirement for all those members of the SRT again to make sure that they have participated in a SWAT school, which covers the use of diversionary devices. Uh, and it is also covered during their annual training cycle uh, in our scheduled training for the team. Are there any questions on this device? All right. Moving on, next slide, please. We have in our inventory as well 40 millimeter chemical agent launchers, uh, which are designed specifically to fire a projectile to temporarily incapacitate subjects. Uh, it is considered a less lethal weapon used to address armed and or violent individuals or crowds. Uh, we have limited instances of violent civil unrest, which do occur. Uh, we have not, as an agency, deployed any of these chemical agents during that type of situation. We do have uh, instances where we have deployed uh, 37 millimeter, which I will discuss in a following slide, but our 40 millimeters we haven't, uh, in my experience, deployed. Uh, chemical agents in reference to these and other items are specifically formulated smokes, liquids, and powders uh, that are designed to temporarily disable a person. It's basically an irritant that is dispensed on the mucous membrane, eyes, and skin. Uh, this is a less lethal force option. Uh, and it definitely significantly reduces the risk of injury to citizens, suspects, and deputies. Next slide. And, and Sheriff Miyamoto, just I think there has been some concern, uh, not in the uh, not in the deployment, but the fact that in confined close quarters in jails, in particular, that as long as these things are not launched at heads or vital parts, they achieve their mission, but if launched incorrectly could could be lethal. Uh, does the policy address that? Yes, it does. That will be covered when we get to the 37 millimeter launcher with our less okay. lethal impact munitions. But I do understand okay. the concern because as we talk about these types of platforms, uh, these chemical agent launchers are designed to dispense the chemical agent, but the targeting area for these is not on an actual person, it's on the area, and uh, the concerns about a jail setting, uh, we have confined space environments that we operate in. Uh, our cells are, I think, five by nine for the most part now. So we do have those kinds of situations. We have larger areas as well that we have to cover, but these specific 40 millimeter chemical agent launchers are for the deployment of chemical agents. The less lethal impact munitions, if we can go to the next slide, actually, I think it's coming up. Um, not this one. The next slide, please. I can cover that right now, as you mentioned, Chair Peskin, uh, that there have been concerns about the use of our projectile impact weapons, our 37-millimeter launcher anti-riot weapon. This is called the Arwen. And this deployment, when used, our targeting area is specific to the lower extremity leg, and that's the only area that we actually qualify and train our people on in terms of targeting somebody with this 
Uh, it is a less le lethal impact projectile, so it is designed to actually strike somebody with a rubber impact round, um, but the targeting area is specific to the lower extremity leg um, and is not intended to strike anyone, any other part of the body. Uh, the potential for it to do so is still there, and we recognize that, and that's why our training is very specific and our qualifications are very specific to one area of the body. I hope that answers your Thank question. Thank you. Thank you, Sheriff. Sure. And as mentioned, if we go to the next slide, uh, one of the things I'd like to note too, as you can see from the graphic there, supervisors, that this is a very, uh, the platform is different than the other platforms that you saw. The uh, potential for us to uh, mix this up with any of our lethal options is uh, not there. Uh, we don't have a shotgun which is designed to provide less lethal impact projectiles. This device is specific to that task and very different from the other platforms. So our staff can't confuse the platform that they're using. Um, next slide, please. This is an informative slide for you on an actual less lethal impact munition that we use. Uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, this is only to strike people, to stop them from the harmful behavior. Uh, this is not intended to be lethal. And as you can see from the object itself, uh, it is basically a large doily type rubber uh, round. Next slide, please. Uh, actually, this is just me saying to you that I would appreciate uh, <laughs> the authorization of the continued use of this, safe, of this safety equipment uh, that we've outlined in the presentation. I believe there's a few more slides I have after this one. Uh, there were questions in regards to our reporting process. Next slide, please, Christian. There it is. Uh, when we do receive complaints about the use of any of these items or any misconduct alleged, uh, we currently report that to the Department of Police Accountability. Uh, the use of anything in our MEAP, in, in our military equipment use policy, um, uh, or any situation where there may be a reckless disregard for health or safety of a person to the deployment of any of these items is something that we will reference to the Department of Police Accountability, something that we do investigate individually and uh, independently. Uh, I do want to recognize, as was mentioned by you earlier, Chair Peskin, in regards to our oversight committee and our oncoming inspector general. Uh, when the inspector general is established, I'm sure that that will have uh, a component of the investigative process into these allegations. So I do want to mention that although we partner with the Department of Police Accountability currently, uh, we recognize that that may change in subsequent years once the inspector general is started. And that is it for the presentation itself. The next slide, I believe, is my official ask of you if there are any questions. Thank you, Sheriff Miyamoto. Are there questions or comments from committee members? Yes. 
Thank Supervisor you. Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Peskin, and thank you, Sheriff Momoto, um, for presenting today and joining us in person and here in the chamber, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I just have uh, just some questions just overall of the presentation that is, seems to us that um, most of these military-grade equipments are going to be utilized or used by the special response team, and um, could you let us know what is the total staffing of the Sheriff's Department and then out of which how many are actually on the special response team? Certainly. So currently we're at a 72% staffing level. However, we're authorized for over 960 sworn staff members. Our current numbers uh, fluctuate between 670 and 700 right now for active on-duty sworn members. Uh, of that, we have uh, about 120 members of the emergency services unit. Okay. And of that, we have 15 members that are members of the SRT, the special response team. Thank you. And then I concur with Chair Pascal mentioning, you know, out of the, sorry. I, I concur with Chair Peskin that out of that 30-day, you know, uh, that which you have to conduct a community engage, in, engagement or a community meeting that I do think your oversight commission it's really appropriate. It's uh, always properly noticed. It's uh, properly staffed, and it's able to provide, you know, translation services if need be. So I do think that perhaps it is a, a great venue and, and appropriate um, event uh, or, or uh, space or platform for a community engagement. And. Um, I appreciate the annual report of listing out uh, about how the equipments were used and uh, any complaints and concern received concerning the equipment. Could you, though, can you walk me through a little bit, um, and I'm just trying to understand. So a summary of any complaints or concerns received concerning the equipment. Could you just categorize for me how those complaints or concern would look like? Is it just everyday, you know, um, residents or anybody that was injured by it or both uh, as staff or uh, uh, citizens that how, how would those com complaints and concern come about? I appreciate that question. And uh, I hope I can give you some perspective on that. In my experience, uh, Whenever we have deployed into public settings, whether it's for a uh, large-scale event uh, where there may be some disruption or a use of force may occur, we do receive complaints, uh, not just to our agency specifically. We get them at our internal affairs uh, department, and we also get complaints via our website. <coughs> People actually are able to uh, submit complaints directly to us through the website. Uh, we do... Uh, because we have been partnered with the Department of Police Accountability for a number of years now, people are very familiar with being able to go to them with any complaints. Usually in regards to the use of specialized equipment, um, we have had people express concerns in the past with the use of the Arwen, which is deployed but not actually discharged. Uh, so when they see it, they actually wonder what it is and, and sometimes we get inquiries on that. Uh, we also have tasers in our department and that is a use of force that we get inquiries on and sometimes uh, people have questions about that that we receive through those uh, avenues. Thank you and I appreciate that the annual report also include internal audits which I did not see actually for the SIPD. Um, I, I do appreciate it listed here uh, as a annual report. With that, I have no more questions and thank you Sheriff uh, for your presentation today. Uh, thank you Chair Peskin.
Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Supervisor Mandelman, any comments, questions? I'll take that as a no. Uh, why don't we open this item number eight up to public comment? Yes, members of the public. Oh, excuse me. Members of the public Sorry. who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. Uh, we do have in-person commenters at this time. Please proceed. Hi, my name is Arthur Koch. I'm an artist and a small business owner in District 9. Hillary Ronan is my supervisor, and she spoke my mind at the last Board of Supervisors meeting that voted on this. Uh, I'm a member of the San Francisco Friends meeting, serving on the Peace and Social Concerns. Our Quaker meeting house is just a block away from here. So I'm representing our local Friends meeting, and I'm working with the American Friends Service Committee on a national level. So why are we here again? Uh, because the Sheriff's Department submit, submitted a proposal to arm robots at the last minute on a Friday for a Board of Supervisors meeting on a Tuesday, denying the public of our right to make public comment for 30 days to be considered, discussed, and defined more clearly under exactly what circumstances they will be used. I thought it was disingenuous of the Sheriff's Department to double down on militarizing the police without transparency when the whole point of AB 481 was to keep the public record of inventory purchases and use. There were no explicit guidelines for the robots to be used to deliver lethal force, and there never was a situation where we regretted that in the last decade. So why now? They were designed for surveillance, so retrofitting them with a gun or a bomb is going to require some trial and error. What could possibly Sir, go you, wrong? You are welcome. You are welcome to speak to this, but that's not before us. And the sheriff's department and the police department are two totally different departments, and this is a totally different policy. You're referring to the matter that this committee dealt with, and the board of supervisors dealt with, as it relates to the police department policies, not the sheriff's department policies. But please go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, Since robots were introduced to the police department 10 years ago, companies like Boston Dynamics have been made lethal robots specifically for the military that are more agile at maneuvering into spaces and driven by artificial intelligence. I don't think the police will succeed at adding on weapons. I don't think the sheriff will succeed in adding on weapons and modifying them to throw bombs. They will probably come back and ask for even more money to buy one of these state-of-the-art robots specifically designed for killing people. All the fuss over killer robots is distracting us from the real issues, like why is FS San Francisco the only... Your speaker time has elapsed. Uh, we are and, allowed And to there's no... The, the killer robots, police department, sheriff's policy are two totally different things, and the killer robot issue is not present here in the sheriff's department's presentation or policies. Next speaker, please. Okay. <clears throat> Is there anybody else in the chamber who would like to make public comment? There being no further parties in the room, we can move on to our telephone call in line.
Hi, uh, my name is Jennifer Tu. I work for the American Friends Service Committee. Um, and I'd like to thank Chair Peskin for connecting us with members of the SF Sheriff's Department. Uh, we've had, uh, well, we've had some policy disagreements. Uh, Ms. Ronnie Singh and Lieutenant Jonathan Coons have been very receptive to the feedback we've offered. And the proposed policy that you're considering today from them is much improved from the original proposed policy. There do remain some compliance gaps, uh, which we sent by email to members of the committee. Ms. Singh and Lieutenant Coons have been working to address these, and I asked the Rules Committee to support that work fully completing. I noticed references in the Sheriff's presentation earlier to three things that sound the same but are different, and that's usage, authorized use, and use of force. Usage in the presentation seems to be a description of capabilities or recent use history, but the policy authorizes much more than that. If a weapon has not been used in the past, but it is authorized by policy, it could be deployed in the future. So one example, if a drone has only been used to document crime scenes, but it is authorized for crowd use, then the policy authorized use would authorize drones, drone use for First Amendment assembly, even if past usage has not been for that. This example could be expanded out to all the equipment presented today. Also, uh, use of a weapon is not the same as use of force. The state law covers use. It never mentions use of force. If you were to bring out a launcher or an assault weapon and hold it, that's use of the weapon. Even if it's never fired or pointed at anyone, that's still use of a weapon. State law covers use of militarized equipment and does not mention use of force. I want to encourage members of the Rules Committee to raise questions today that would inform the public and the committee about the authorized use, how that authorized use may vary from past usage, and to check in on the Sheriff's Department's readiness to report on all future military equipment uses, including non-fire deployment, and to request changes that would better safeguard Speaker the public's welfare. So, Ms. Tu, let me ask you a question uh, in the first instance as it relates to uh, the unmanned aircraft, i.e. drone, what you are suggesting is that there be provisions in the policy that indicate the representation set forth by the sheriff, which is that not only that it shall not be used for surveilling uh, uh, First Amendment activities. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? It's uh, very, very similar. What I am asking is that this committee consider the authorized use and whether that matches past use and whether it should match past use. And so I, I would certainly encourage the committee to, uh, to ask for more restrictive use, uh, not just for the drones, but for all of the weapons. The submachine guns are basically authorized for any time the uh, SRT team would like to use it. It's not currently authorized within the department itself, but the department could choose to reauthorize them and choose to deploy the submachine guns. And the policy, which would be adopted as city ordinance, would allow uh, that use of submachine guns. All right, so you're saying uh, more narrowly drafted. Go ahead. Sorry, Jennifer. Sorry, I was just going to ask if that uh, answers your question. Kinda. Uh, any questions for Ms. Tu? And thank you for engaging Ms. Singh and the department uh, over the last several weeks. Um, and thank you also to my staff, Calvin Yan, who's been helping behind the scenes. Uh, 
any questions from members? If not, why don't we proceed to the next caller? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, uh, my name is John Lindsay Pullen. I'm, I'm also with the American Science Service Committee's California Healing Justice Program. And we do deeply appreciate the Sheriff's Department's engagement with us, with our concerns and questions about these policies that are required by state law. Um, just to build on uh, the exchange that just occurred, we do support, because the Sheriff said it, but it's not in the written policy, a restriction on the use of drones for surveilling First Amendment activities. Um, that be, especially because the sheriff's office has uh, jurisdiction for protests that occur in the civic center, uh, frequent site for them, that would be important. Uh, similarly, we're uh, concerned that the use of impact projectiles and chemical agents in the jail um, have um, further restriction on them. Like, like most jails and, and prisons in California, a significant portion of people incarcerated in the jail experience mental illness. Many suffer from physical disabilities. In the state prisons, most uses of force are against people with mental illness. There is, for some of the equipment, a consideration of the vulnerability of populations against which this might be used. Not a prohibition, but a consideration of those before deciding to um, launch any of these uh, weapons, less lethal weapons particularly. Um, and so that would be an important piece for uh, the less lethals in the use of, in the jail, where you have significant uh, populations of people who are particularly vulnerable. Um, and finally, we just want to say we also support the chair's suggestion of a, uh, an annual and, and uh, supervisor Chan's support for an annual engagement meeting, meeting at the sheriff's oversight board. It's really important that there that that space be one where there can be public comment. Um, as well as uh, public attendance and visibility um, so that there is that real community back and forth. That's what AB 41 really is about, is uh, bringing in uh, the community and elected officials such as yourselves um, into the process of, of figuring out where is the line for the use Speaker or non-use. Thank you. Thank you for those comments, helpful. Next speaker, please. Yes, hello. This is Deja Bowler. I'm calling Deja, because if, if you can turn, if you can turn down the volume on your TV set or computer, so that we don't hear the background. Okay. Thank you, Deja. Yeah, I'm concerned about the use of uh, <clears throat> flashbangs or loud sounds in the jails, <clears throat> not only because of other people that might be around <clears throat> that would be affected, but I understand that, <clears throat> for example, really loud sounds can cause brain damage and I just don't think it's responsible to subject anyone, but especially not nearby people uh, in, in an enclosed space to such um, 
a weapon. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Bowler. Next speaker, please. Uh, we have no additional callers on the line. Okay, public comment is closed and this is in the hands of the board. Here is what I was going to suggest my case of COVID notwithstanding, um, which is one that we asked Deputy City Attorney Pearson to make the following changes to the ordinance uh, that I mentioned with regard to the recitals on, well, primarily on page two to make it accurate at, to reflect what has actually happened. Uh, I am interested, um, although the lag may not be that significant given when we pass a police department policy, but worth looking into to attempt to line up the annual reports on military equipment policies of both sheriff and uh, police to be at approximately the same time. Uh, so I'd like to work with Deputy City Attorney Pearson on that. And then uh, Sheriff Miyamoto, uh, do you have any problems with what both Supervisor Chan and I suggested with regard to on page four, subsection C, having the uh, community engagement meeting uh, be at the Sheriff's Oversight Board. I absolutely agree. No problem with that. Excellent. So we would make that change. And if you could draft those in the intervening week, I would also take it upon myself, Sheriff Miyamoto and Ms. Two, to uh, convene one last meeting between the parties to see if there can be any further refinements to the policy between now and next Monday, ask the city attorney to draft the uh, amendments that I have discussed and I'll work with Deputy City Attorney Pearson or the appropriate Deputy City Attorney on those and continue this item one week. Uh, and colleagues, just so that you know, it is still my hope <clears throat> to um, announce tomorrow remotely the new committee structure uh, and if I actually get it together to do that, that would become effective February 1st so we can have one last meeting of the old uh, complement of this rules committee that has been a pleasure uh, chairing. And I wanna thank both of you, Supervisors Mandelman and Chan for uh, your two years together on this body. And I want to thank our clerk, Mr. Victor Young for his competent work uh, as the committee clerk and our deputy city attorney Ann Pearson for giving us consistent and good counsel. And I, we will have one more meeting before the new uh, complement goes into effect uh, on February 1, Wednesday of next week. Uh, and with that, I would make a motion to continue this item one week. Uh, would you like to uh, adopt the amendments or will we take those next Well, week? I can't adopt the amendments, mm -hmm. Mr. Young, because they don't exist yet. They are okay. just concepts. Uh, the, the motion is continue the matter to January 30th, 2023. Thank you. And I would imagine, albeit it's not my place to say it, that those amendments seem to be non-substantive in nature, but uh, if it requires yet another continuance, so be it. And with that, Mr. Clerk, Thank you, Sheriff Miyamoto. See you in a week and see you in between, probably remotely, because 
I don't want to infect you, although I was sitting next to you, I guess it was yesterday, so I hope I didn't yes. infect you already. Yes. My apologies. Uh, and with that, Mr. Clerk, could you read our last item? Uh, I'd like to take a vote on this item prior oh, to moving oh, on. Oh, yeah, right. Good, good idea. Yes, on that motion to continue the matter, uh, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Moving on to our last item on the agenda, which is item number nine. In ordinance amending the administrative code to decrease from 17 to 13 the number of members on the Veterans Affairs Commission and make corresponding revisions, qualifications, and appointing authorities for members. Thank you, Mr. Young. Colleagues, uh, as you may know, the Veteran Affairs Commission is a large body of 17 that has had trouble meeting because of its size. Uh, it has been recommended um, with the support of the chair, um, Ikram Mansouri, as well as their clerk, Mary Murphy, that we shrink the body in size from 17 to 13. We have a letter of support from uh, the chair of the Veteran Affairs Commission. Uh, this would also uh, change and um, make broader some of the seat designations. Um, I note that a number of the existing members' terms are expiring shortly, so this is an appropriate time to do it. Uh, the clerk made some suggestions pursuant to their overarching policies, uh, and I will be suggesting a, an amendment on page three to insert a uh, new subsection sub F that says each appointing authority may remove any of its appointees at any time with or without cause. Additionally, any member, including the chairperson who misses three regular meetings of the commission within a six month period without the express approval of the commission at or before each missed meeting shall be deemed to have resigned from the commission 10 days after the third unapproved absence. The commission shall inform the members appointing authority of any such resignation. So I'll be making uh, those amendments which have been circulated to uh, the other members of this body. I want to thank my staff, Calvin Yan, for working with Ms. Murphy and members of the commission. And if members of the Rules Committee have no questions, I would like to open this up to public comment. Okay, there are no members of the public in the chamber right now. Members of the public who are on the telephone line uh, can call for, may call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-495-5993, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you can press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. Uh, we can take the first caller. First caller, please. Hello, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Commissioner, President of Veterans Affairs Commission, Ikram Mansari. I am really grateful to hear this uh, item on the agenda. It's been, uh, uh, it's been in the works and grateful for all of those that have been uh, putting in the work uh, behind the scenes. It is really essential that we get this passed 
um, moving from 17 to 13 will allow us to um, engage with those who are super active in the community. We've been, uh, in the past three years, we've been beyond proactive and we'd like to continue uh, moving forward with a like, solid foundation uh, for the commission, um, applying all the rules, abiding by all the, the laws, and of course, um, uh, holding each other accountable. Um, and we couldn't do it without you, so really grateful and thank you and uh, I look forward to working with all of you. Thank you for your service and thank you for your support of this ordinance, which of course you suggested. Uh, is there any further public comment on item number nine? There are no other speakers <laughs> on the telephone line. Okay, public comment is closed and I would like to move the aforementioned uh, amendment that I discussed, subsection F. Um, on that motion, Mr. Clerk, a roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. And I believe that our Deputy City Attorney has indicated that that amendment is not substantive in nature. Is that correct, Ms. Pearson? That is correct. And then I would like to move, thank you, to send the item as amended with recommendation to the full Board of Supervisors. Yes, on, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Manelman. Manelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you. We are adjourned for today. See you next week.